This is California Now, a podcast produced by Visit California. I'm Soterius Johnson. This episode, Cheech Marin, the comedian, musician, and actor, has long been known as one half of the comedy duo Cheech and Chong, famous for movies like Up in Smoke. Hey, man. Am I driving okay? I think we're parked, man. He also starred in TV's Nash Bridges and even voiced one of the hyenas in Disney's 1994 animated classic, The Lion King. What's the hurry? We'd love you to stick around for dinner. Yeah, we could have whatever's lying around. <laughs> but did you know he's also such a huge collector of Chicano art, he could fill an entire museum? In fact, he recently did just that in the Inland Empire city of Riverside. It's called the Cheech Marin Center for Chicano Art and Culture, or just the Cheech for short. In today's episode, we go deep on how the museum came to be and why it matters to Cheech personally. Before we wrap up, he also takes the California questionnaire. And we're joined now by the man himself, Cheech Marin. Welcome to California Now. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. Well, th- thank you. First off, congratulations on this museum. I mean, you've, you've got to have a tremendous sense of pride about it. Oh, you know, I'm just grateful, you know, more than anything, because this thing dropped out of the sky for me. You know, I was, it just came about when I was wondering what to do with this collection that I'd been gathering for 40 years. And this offer to house the collection at, in Riverside uh, just just happened <laughs> like it was a prayer answered, I think, you know, and I, I couldn't believe I, At first, I couldn't understand what they were asking me. I thought they wanted me to buy a museum. <laughs> I said, well, I'm, I'm doing okay, but I don't know if I'm doing museum rich. You know? <laughs> but no, 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 we want to give you the museum in order to house the collection. So, I mean, how were you first kind of introduced to Chicano art? Is it something you kind of grew up uh, seeing or like, like, how is it? Why is it so special to you personally? Well, because it, it speaks of my background personally. I'm a Chicano, a proud Chicano, and so so was my father who died at 92 some years ago. You know, and, and it just represents who we are. This is this category of of uh, Latinos that are, are are melding with the American mainstream and using that in in their art as well. You know, uh, so it, it's just it identifies a group of people who have for a long time been unidentified or unsubstantiated uh, or, or recognized. And mm-hmm. So. And I didn't mean that to do that at the beginning to collect this art. Uh, I just recognized what great art it was because I had been studying art since a very young age, from some, since about 11. Hmm. I think I had this group of cousins. There was four of us. And we, were, we were bright kids and uh, all went to Catholic school, you know, liberal arts education. And so the head cousin, my cousin Louie decided he would form a group of us and we would study other other courses like AP classes. Hmm. He assigned each of us a, a little a corner of, of knowledge to find out about. And I got assigned art. Hmm. And so how do you do that at 11? I <laughs> Your art sounds, I, I, can, I can draw a cartoon of Mickey Mouse, is that art. But I decided to go to the library and start taking out all the art books. Oh, they wouldn't let me take them out. They would just let me be in their presence while they turn the pages. <laughs> and so I started studying art that way. So by the time in the year, doing that all the uh, every week, I, I, I had a really good knowledge of Western art. And uh, coincidentally, because it was, you know, went along with the subject, I, I started visiting museums from that age and, and going to museums all the time, especially LACMA, because I live in L.A., and then seeing paintings up close and personal. And you have to see paintings in person to really get the true value of them. 
So mm-hmm. I kept on that in that course until I came to a position where I had enough money to buy art. And that's when I discovered these Chicano painters. They'd already been discovered. I mean, they were out there doing stuff, but not on a large scale. And I had no uh, intentions of doing anything. I just wanted something green to go over the couch, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, it seems like the term Chicano art and culture can kind of like encompass a whole lot. So what are some of the hallmarks or, or through lines that tend to distinguish that grouping? The term Chicano was originally an insult from Mexicans to other Mexicans living in in the United States. The concept being that the Mer- the Mexicans who had left Mexico and are now living in tin shacks along the borders uh, were no longer truly Mexicanos. They because they had left their country, they were they were something less. They were smaller. They were little satellite Mexicans living <laughs> along the border, and they were something less than Mexicanos. They were chicos. They were Chicano, little little Mexicans, and it was a, it was a derogatory term, and it depends on where you lived in relation to the border. And as time went by, it became less of a derogatory term and more of a description. Because I was I always grew up that well, well I'm not Mexican. You know, I've never been to Mexico. I have I can't speak Spanish, but I know I'm related to that group in some way. And so when I first heard the term Chicano. Uh, my my uncle Rudy, who was who told me he was he was describing how he went to a, a mechanic and because he had to get his car fixed, he said and he wanted two hundred dollars for it. He says, "Hey man, give me some tin foil and a pair of pliers. I can fix it. I'm a Chicano mechanic." And I go, "That's what I am. That's what that's what I want to be a a, a guy who who can do and, and does nothing. Nothing's going to stop me. He incorporates everything he can into into that that formula. And so, well, okay, that's what I am. And I've been Chicano since then." Right. And then as far as like the Chicano art and culture, I mean, is there something like when you were looking at the the art from Texas and you saw that there was something common with what you saw in L.A.? I mean, what's kind of the, the thing that kind of connects them all together that makes it, you know, something in common? It's description of culture in a myriad of different ways, uh, uh, whether it's personal, fam- familial or uh, religious or gender-based or any other kind of uh, aspect that you bring into it and how that melds with the mainstream of American society and how they came together while still keeping their identities is a real unbelievable process and it's still going on today. So it was it was a description that had not been described before. We were the early Chicano artists, especially, and I were told that they didn't really make fine art; they made agitprop folk art. Hmm. And every painter that I told that to, because this was the official <laughs> response from the museum, asked me the same question: "What's agitprop folk art that I've been?" <laughs> making? And I said, "Well, that's not what you make, but don't worry about it." And you know, it was it was just that that attitude that were, you were not to be taken seriously and or even studied or and for the most part ignored. Mm-hmm. But uh, Chicanos cannot be ignored. <laughs> <laughs> but but from the from these different aspects of seeing the culture, what you you arrived at was not a crystal clear picture from step A to step twenty seven of how. What Chicanos are, it, it is it is the feeling, uh, it is the, uh, the the taste of the culture, you know, like the aesthetic, uh, yeah, yeah, the aesthetic of the culture and, and what what that consists of, and it's a lot of different aspects coming into play at the same time. Mm. The sabor, right, the flavor, 
the flavor of it, you know, and so and 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 there's no American schools of painting and or art that I know that can describe themselves that way, because they're not necessarily description of a culture, whatever that culture is. But Chicano art is; it's a description of that culture in mm-hmm. a myriad of different uh, viewpoints. Right. It, it's a kind of like a blending of what Mexican and American, like yeah. United States American, and and world art. Because all these artists, with the exception of maybe three in the collection, are all uh, university and or art school trained. So they were were exposed to world art right from the beginning of their education. And so they incorporated that in what they were doing, too. So you could get uh, Caravaggio and (laughs) the (laughs) Chicano version of Caravaggio or or, uh, any, any any of the artists from then on. And and that's what I what was really interesting about their their approach to art, and also they never gave up the brush, you know. Their mm-hmm. their hand it's a handcrafted art, and the the inspiration comes out of the brain and travels down the arm and through the hand and to the the most primitive of tools, a hair on a stick, and that's how they describe their culture with this primitive tool, and, and they. They became very adept at it. It's you know you know the, the analogy is like the first time you ever heard the Beatles, mm-hmm. their music, and you go, I know this music. If there's Chuck Berry in it, and Jerry Lee Lewis, and Elvis, and, and and all those guys, but it's English at the same time. How do that work? <laughs> because they love that music, and then they adapted it to who they were and how they were, and just kept going from there. And so right. you know, that's really descriptive uh, uh, narrative for that kind of music. Same right. as for Chicano art. There is a narrative there. Right, right. So let, let's talk about how the museum came to be. Um, when when exactly did you start collecting the art that would eventually one day go in it? God, it had to be about three, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. 40 years ago when I first saw my first uh, 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 piece of Chicano art. And and, you know, being an inventor collector that I am, I go, okay, there must be more of this. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the thing about, you know, buying one uh, uh, piece of Chicano art, all of a sudden, you know, 20 Chicano artists because the word goes out, there's somebody buying. <laughs> 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 and I, I guess that was a perfect storm for that time. I, I knew what the art was. I had the energy to collect it uh, and the money, <laughs> the money to collect it. And also the... the uh, uh, notoriety in order to proselytize for it, you know, which I st- immediately started doing because I put together this collection and all my friends, my newly acquired friends in the art world said, uh, well, you have to show this. This does you no know, good under the bed or in the garage or in storage or anything. You have to show this. Well, how do you do that? <laughs> Can you give me a sense of, of how big your collection is today and, and how much of it is actually on display at the museum right now? Um, well, it, it'll take, I, I gave the museum about 550 pieces. Mm, wow. And, uh, I have a, maybe about 150 other ones that I gave to the, my family estate for my kids and uh, grandkids. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It's either in storage and I still have to pay for it. But now as I give it to the museum, they put it in their storage, which is, it's, it's a great deal. You know, you're handing that over and it's like, I experienced that, 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 feeling in little bits over the over the years when 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 I was touring the Chicano Visions tour that was that was seven years 
and 14 major museums, starting with the Smithsonian and, and LACMA and the Young and San Diego Museum. Uh, and every time I, I, I opened a show there, I would go, after the show was hung, I would go there uh, and, and have my lunch there when there was nobody there before the museum opened. I would take a lunch and I would just walk around. And it was like visiting your kids that, that came home from college. <laughs> and, oh, and they would it would be in different configurations all the time and so it's like oh how you've grown and how you, <laughs> you have other friends it's good you know but it was really but in that process i started feeling it leave my hands you know at, at every because it and now really just didn't solely belong to me it belonged to the people that it, it was about and that was my gift to them Right, right. Like you were kind of almost like the steward of this yeah. up to this point, and then you've passed it on to the museum to kind of take it from there. Yeah. And, you know, at that point, I felt like, you know, like the when you're the wizard in the movie, The Wizard of Oz, where the house is falling from the sky. Mm -hmm. And I felt that, well, I just have to stand here on this X and it's going to fall on me. <laughs> and that's what happened. It fell on me like, oh, okay, this is really real. You know? Yeah. The thing that was was fortunate about it, it is because of this building that they had to repurpose in in, in Riverside, uh, and and that they could take the whole collection. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That, that was an important part, right? I mean, maybe the most important part. It was a museum that was willing to take the whole collection and have that building be the repository for the whole collection. It sounds like you've really learned how to navigate the whole museum world. That must must have been a whole education right there. Oh, believe me, it was. <laughs> <laughs> what did you learn about that world? Especially at the beginning, they were very trepidatious, shall we say. <laughs> they didn't, nobody wanted to put their head on the block and, and scream like, yes, this is Chicano art, let the blade fall. <laughs> None of those guys wanted to do that, you know, and especially with somebody that wasn't uh, nominally qualified, you know, I, I didn't uh -huh. have a, a degree in art, you know, I was this guy called Dope Jokes and Wait, so let's dive into that just for a little bit. So what is what is so contentious or what's so prickly about defining Chicano art? Well, they always have had the experience of somebody else outside of the culture defining that art for them. Mm -hmm. You know, well, this is what Chicano art says, John J. Smith, you know. Uh, well, wait a minute, you're not part of the community. You don't have any mm -hmm. particular insight into it. And how come we get defined by somebody outside of the culture? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that was always a, a contention, you know, that like, wait a minute, you know, we can define ourselves. We all went to college and have, have doctor's degrees and blah, 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 this and that. Uh, we should be able to define ourselves and break into that community that does the defining. You know? And for all those years, we hadn't been. You know, because we weren't recognized as legit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so now we're legit. Too legit right, to right. quit. Oh. <laughs> so, hey, so let's talk about now what it's like to actually visit the museum. I'm, so say I'm going there for the first time. What do I see as I walk up to the building and walk in? Well, you see this building, which is a beautiful uh, mid-century building. It's really beautiful. I mean, if you had a... a a list of top 10 mid-century buildings, this would be in that on that list. And it was the town library for Riverside, California. And Riverside was, it was unique in that in the 1880s, Riverside was the richest per capita city in the United States really? because wow. of citrus. 
They grew everything citrus, uh, oranges, grapefruits, tangelos, uh, uh, lemons, limes, everything. And, and they built a railroad into the, into the groves and packing houses along the way. And they shipped citrus all over the world. So in 1880, you could get an orange on Christmas morning in London, England because of Riverside, California. <laughs> and so they be, it was a small town, so they became very rich. And so they, they started dedicating, you know, building all these uh, famous uh, historic buildings for Riverside, you know, uh, several museums on our block. And they built this uh, uh, library. And now they wanted to build a new library, a uh, Jetsons kind of library that every <laughs> city in the world are, are building. And they had to repurpose the building. And they were down the road, I think, with a, a, a children's museum of some kind of science, children's science museum, and that fell out. And I had done a show at that same time at the Riverside Art Museum, which is, you know, four doors away on the same block. And it was a huge show. For, I think it was Works on Paper. And it was a huge show for them. It was the biggest show they ever had. And I, you know, and it was a local celebrity for them. And so the, the town manager... The city manager came up with this idea. Well, why don't we offer it to Cheats for the collection? He'll give us the collection. We'll give him a place to house it, and it'll be there forever, and then everybody will be happy. Wait a minute. How, how does that go now? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> wait, did I just hear what I thought I heard? I don't know. Right, right, don't know. right. We'll give you, the, you give us a collection, and we'll take care of it, and we'll show it for in perpetuity, and it'll take time to roll it out. So everybody gets will be used to seeing it now because it's going to take at least five years to roll out the collection once. Amazing. Yeah, so everybody gets a chance to see it, uh, a bunch of, and you can come back and see a new new show. And so that, in that way, uh, it, it, it really draws people not only to Riverside, which is a beautiful historic town, and you'll have yeah. fun, uh, and it's right next door to the Mission Inn, which is a, a right. national historic cultural monument. Right. Right. We're going to get to all that. We're going to get to all that in a minute. But I wanted to ask you, so like, so like as a visitor and I'm, if I, as I walk into the building, so what, what do I see? What's my experience? You'll, the first thing you'll see in the lobby of the, of the museum is a giant lenticular piece by the De La Torre brothers, uh, Einar and Heimix De La, De La Torre. It's 26 by 13 feet tall. Hmm. And so to accommodate the piece from the library, we had to, cut out the floor of the second story and saw it, actually saw a big rectangle out of that so the piece could fit through the floor <laughs> and up into the second story. And and I don't know if you've seen lenticular art. There's not much of it out there because these two guys are really the forefront of that whole uh, category. It's, yeah, what is it? Lenticular art is, you know, like when you open up a, and your kid open up a Cracker Jacks and they had that little picture, a little thing in there with a, with a shape the, the visual, right. the image shifted. If you, depending right. on you look yes. at it, that's lenticular. It's a plastic okay. prism, prismatic kind of art that reflects light and images in a way where there's multiple images in the same space, depending on which space you look at look at it from. Like what angle you're looking at it from. Yeah, as, as you move it. And this is a huge piece. I mean, it's, a, it's 26 feet tall by 13 feet wide, and there's hundreds wow. of images in it. And you're just like, whoa, this is the introduction? Well, maybe <laughs> I like Chicano art. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of, you had to like, you started off with a bang. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it really, I mean, it's, 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 it's the most spectacular opening piece for any museum that I know of. Uh, and I've been into a lot. 
and and well, it gets your attention right away. Then you start rolling through the the first iteration of the collection, which is about uh, I think about ninety pieces, you know. And they they had to work through it to get it down, you know, to because I, what I didn't want the audience to do is get painting fatigue, which I often get when I go to a big museum. You know, I, I can't mm-hmm. see any more paintings. I don't care how yeah. wonderful they are. I'm just tired, you know. And, and but this one you can see the whole thing and really enjoy it once, and then you can go through it as many times. As you want. And then the next time you come, there'll be different art there. And then what I wanted to do, and I told them at the beginning, is let's make the cheats the center of any cultural activity or any civic thing that we're doing in this town. There should be, you know, we should do weddings and baptisms and and dance contests and Miss uh, Riverside should be crowned there. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happening right now. People are getting married, oh, they're getting baptized and, and it's it's exactly what I what I envisioned. And and everybody loves to come to it. And it's been packed. It's packed since we opened. Yeah. I'd love to hear about some of your favorite works uh, in the museum and and why they're special to you. Well, you know, there is, it's like having a fi- favorite child. <laughs> I know. I was afraid you were going to say that. <laughs> you, that. you know, the one that's giving you the least amount of trouble is, is a favorite child. <laughs> no, I, 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 I don't have, it changes all the time because painters are coming up with new paintings all the time. That's the thing is all, most of the major painters that, are, that haven't, you know, gone on to the afterlife uh, are still working at the, at the height of their career and they're still making mm-hmm. wonderful, beautiful, important paintings. Yeah. Uh, so I don't worry about well, it. Well, how about this? How about if, if um, you knew somebody, you had a friend who was coming to the museum who had no, didn't have any idea what Chicano art was about. Is, are there like one or two paintings that you would say, okay, check this one out. Yeah. Because it kind of represents like the ethos of the art form. Yeah. There's there's one, a painting by Benito Huerta from Texas, wonderful painter, but he he painted this painting which was a, a conversation. It's a it's a comment on a conversation between Picasso and Kandinsky. And so he takes the this Damosel de Avignon by Picasso and he reimagines the, the painting on velvet, and it's a big painting on velvet of Juarez hookers or TJ hookers, you know, that are looking over over the other side. Oh, this, Mexico is in the background and, mm-hmm. and does it on velvet with lip rings and nose rings and all kinds of attachments on it, you know, but it's on, on velvet. And, <laughs> and it's incredible. And that's one half of the painting. The other half of the painting is a ledge, a sheet of lead, and and it's hmm. big. I mean, it weighs two hundred and some pounds. The sheet <laughs> of lead, and I asked him, "Well, what's the deal here?" And and he says, "Well, Picasso said that art is everything, and Kandinsky said art is nothing." So I wanted to contrast those two opposing views or maybe views <laughs> in one painting. And so the very first time I saw that, I went to, I think it was, a, it was an art show in Houston, and this painting was there. And I walked in the building, like, wow, this is, I get it. You know, I, I, I know Picasso's work and I know Kandinsky's work. And wow, I, this is really cool. I think I'll just take one trip around the, uh, the hall and see what everything is, and I'll come back to this piece. And I got back and it was sold. Oh, wow. And it, wait a minute. That's not how the story goes. I mean, <laughs> you didn't read the script here. <laughs> and so a, a lawyer from Corpus Christi bought that painting. And that just last year, the year before, 
uh, he, he passed away and his son had now had his estate. And he, he knew that I, I liked that painting. He called me up. Do you want to buy that painting? I said, yes, indeed I do. And so hmm. uh, I think it's called uh, Exiles Off Main Street and it's by uh, uh, Benito Huerta and it's, uh, and it's on velvet. It's the only one on velvet. Wow, that's amazing. I, I feel like a, every single painting or every single piece in uh, the museum probably has a story behind it like that. Similar to that. Yeah, absolutely. There were some <laughs> paintings I bought. You know, you know they, they, your city does an art walk and, or an art thing, and they have you know, things up you, know, you can buy there by the artist. And, and so I, I would see one that I really like, and I would camp out. I would make a bid, and then I would camp out there. And try to scare everybody away <laughs> <laughs> until the show was over. You know, there was, there was a, f- a few of them that I did that process too. <laughs> That's great. I mean, your personal collection is a huge focus of the museum, but there are other works there too, right? I mean, did you discover any new artists during this whole process? Oh yeah, I'm in the process of discovering them all the time. You know, uh, the the, the Della Torre brothers were were new. They were ac- essentially glass blowers when I first encountered them. And they still blow glass and they and combine. If you come to the museum sometime before December, before the first of the year, the second story is a whole retrospective of, of the De La Torre brothers' work. And it's spectacular. I mean, I've seen a lot of shows. This is spectacular because it's a combination of all their glass work and all their lenticular work. And there's a, a, I, close to 90 pieces and they're and they're huge monumental works. And when this show comes down, a traveling show of about forty or fifty, maybe forty works from this show will go on tour, sponsored by the Smithsonian. Mm-hmm. So you may not ever get a chance to see this show again if you don't see it now. Wow. Do you envision maybe bringing traveling exhibitions to Riverside in the years ahead? Oh yeah, yeah. That's what we want to do is like-minded museums who want to have a, a establish a relationship with them. So if there's something that we like to see from their museum and, and vice versa, we can do exchanges. And so now we want to get the Chicano uh, art uh, known all over the world, you know? All right. Let's talk about Riverside. Now you grew up in the Los Angeles area. What do you love about Riverside in particular? And, and how did you get to know it? Well, you know, I didn't know Riverside f- very well until we put a show there, you know. And I mean, it's, it's very adjacent to L.A. It's about an hour, hour 15 outside of L.A. It's easy to get there. And it, and it was a very, it's a very cool town and that it was prosperous from an early age. And also it was dedicated to citrus. And so you have this really kind of a citrus flavor to the to the whole town. It has, and it's agricultural, but it's very very artistic at the same time and i uh, and i go wow this is this is could be a new art center for the for the country and then as it goes on i think it will be and we'd be remiss not to note that the riverside community is more than half latinx right yeah. I mean, is that important that was very important you know and and, and the whole old inland empire same same story so you have a huge group of people that would initially see this and then we were going to keep increasing that audience, uh, not only America-wise, but worldwide. You know, and that's happening right now. We, we're starting to get international visitors, and that's it's only been open for, you know, for two months, three months. And mm-hmm. so the, the word is spreading. So it, it is because of, because the art's good. 
I mean, really, as if they just put my name on, I don't know how much it would draw. I would draw something. I <laughs> see him fall on his face there. Uh, no, but it's because the art's good, you know. And the more right. they get to see it, the more they will realize how good, how, what great artists we have in this collection. Right. Like maybe you might get people who come for the name, but they stay for the art. Yeah, well, or at least for the nachos, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and and also, I'm, I, I like to add at this point that it's a cultural center it's not just a repository of a collection of paintings there's other aspects to this museum we're going to have a film department which is going to be headed by robert rodriguez who's going to come and teach a course there he has wow. this program called how to make a film with seven thousand dollars <laughs> which is what he made his first film for when he was right he should know how right and, yeah. and what, it, what it, this this program teaches should you do is every single job in the movie making community uh you could be a director a writer the gaffer the cable puller the, everything and so you know exactly what each job should do and robert is he he previewed this program at the director's fortnight in con and it was a huge huge success and so I asked him, I said, well, you want to bring this to Riverside? He says, I think this is the perfect place to do it. And so that's what we're going to do. And then there'll be other aspects of it. I, I really would like to have a print atelier at some point, you know, so it will be, be like a self-help graphics or, or one of those print places that we make our own prints and have a whole uh, wing of that. And so other artists can, can go forward making prints, which is a very important aspect of Chicano art, too. And then... Uh, other stuff that we can that we come up with between now and then, we'll have a, a, a section for it because it, you know, Chicanos are diverse in their in their abilities. So, but at, at the end of the day, which I always say this, but and it scares out all the people that actually have to raise the <laughs> money. I would really like to have the world's first lowrider museum in, in Riverside. Wow! I think, and lowrider art is huge worldwide category and it's big in yeah. a lot of places in australia and japan you know and, uh, all over europe and then and they love it and so but to have a museum there i think it'll be an even bigger draw than the cheese yeah i love that you've kind of expanded the idea of a museum is not just a place that you put yeah you know art that has already been created either by you know people who have passed away already or maybe people are still alive but you've make it you've made it like a community gathering space yeah. that you know people can learn how to become an artist or to you know improve their skills or just just learn more about what's out there and what they could do themselves yeah i think that's what it, it, it is evolving into and i think that that's really accepted by everybody and they like that idea you know that's why they're coming they're coming and and in, in two months we've done more business than the riverside art museum does in a year and that's in our that's first amazing. year so it says a lot. Yeah, it is. And it's a, it's a really unbelievable, uh, unbelievable process. And it is, it's what happens when, when you have an overload of expectation, you know, <laughs> when you're, when you're the first Chicano museum and everybody's been waiting for anything Chicano, you know, uh, right. They like, I mean, and they really come and they like it. And it's a beautiful, it, it wouldn't be successful if the art wasn't great, but the art is great. Right. Right. So, Cheech, when you're in Riverside, is there a certain place you like to stay or, or neighborhoods you like to visit? You know, I usually stay, my wife and I usually stay at the Mission Inn, which is right next door to the, to the museum. It's, it, and it's an international cultural uh, monument, uh, officially wrecked. Twelve presidents have stayed there. And it's a beautiful, it's kind of Gaudi-esque, you know, uh, 
hotel. It's right ne directly next door. You can hit it from a rock with a rock. <laughs> and I like to stay there a lot of times, but there's other places, you know, and, and, and great restaurants and, and building more hotels. And it's, and it's a wonderful place to have a good time. So uh, let's turn now to what's next, both for the museum and for you personally. Let's start with the museum. Uh, what's on the horizon there? Uh, well, we're just kind of, kind of <laughs> waiting out the, the the first year to have you know the the, the the first rollout of the collection, you know. And like I said, it'll take about five years to roll it out, and, and uh, we have to decide you know which pieces continually stay there which pieces are added, but we have to get through the, the collection story so you see the whole thing at, at front. And I'm still collecting, you know, kind of. There's still major pieces because I have this narrative that I want to tell and I want to have the the, the uh, examples in order to sell the point, you know, and, and, the, and the artists are still making them because it's still mm -hmm. in, in continual evolution, this whole school. It keeps growing. Yeah, it sounds great. Yeah. And what about what about for you personally? What What else are you working on? Oh, working on getting days off. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, last year was a big year for me work-wise. You know, that's when I told you, I, I don't want to work anymore. I let that, that be known. And all of a sudden, I got jobs. I did three big movies last year. Uh, one of them is about to come out again. The first one came out, I did a Nash Bridges movie, me and Don, up in, the, up in San Francisco. And then I did a, a big J-Lo uh, rom-com, which is about to come out now, called The Shotgun Wedding. And uh, with uh, uh, Jennifer Lopez and Josh Duhamel and uh, uh, mm -hmm. Jennifer uh, Coolidge and Lenny Kravitz and myself and Darcy Parton <laughs> and Sonia Braga and, and a couple more I can't remember right now. But then I did another picture called The Champions with Woody Harrelson. It's about basketball. And uh, so I was busy last year doing movies. So I don't know if I'm going to be that busy this year. <laughs> It either pours or it's a desert, it sounds like. Is it, you're you know, either putting together a museum and doing two movies or, or you're going to like maybe relax for a year. You know, I like to do the relax for a year. <laughs> My wife and I just bought this house out, well, not just a few years ago, bought this house out in Joshua Tree. And so we live here half of the year. And that's where I am now. Mm -hmm. And it's, it really does a lot to ensure your sanity, you know, just to be able to live out in the desert and not be you know, have all the hassles of inner city. And, you know, I can only imagine that getting the museum opened was such a huge focus of your life Jeez. for the past few years. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to, what do you think you're going to be focusing on in the years ahead? It's, you know, watching the, watching the creosote grow out here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want, I want to keep working and doing something, but not at such an accelerated pace. You know, I mean, Tommy and I, since the beginning, uh, uh, we we toured all. We would tour three hundred dates a year. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. You know, we and so uh, I mean, a, a, a small year for us was doing two hundred dates a year, and that's <laughs> and we did that for a long, long time. We're both not getting any younger, you know, <laughs> and uh, it's it's hard traveling, and, and so we want to do something that's not so hard. <laughs> You know, Cheech, one other thing we like to do here on the show, it's called the California Questionnaire. It's a set of 12 questions to get at what people love most about the Golden State. Uh, would you be game to take part? Sure. Okay. All right. Here we go. Where do you live? I live in Los Angeles and Joshua Tree. Why there? 
Uh, Los Angeles, because I was born and raised there. I'm a third generation Los Angelino. And Joshua Tree, because I love the desert. We found this wonderful little house that all you have to do is come and sit in it and you get better. <laughs> What's your greatest California love? I mean, it could be like a beach or a concert venue. What do you love about California? I love that they have the ocean, you know, that the shoreline. I lived in Malibu for 40 years right on the beach and uh, every day is a different day. What's the biggest misperception about Californians? Uh, the biggest misperception about California is that they're all the same. This is the most diverse state in the union. There's 100,000 of everything. Let's put it that way. <laughs> What's the stereotype that most holds true? It's always sunny in California. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite Golden State splurge? Ooh, splurge. California, and especially Los Angeles, where I live, it, it, it is one of the restaurant capitals of the world. And then you can get any kind of food and the best that there is of that in California, and especially Los Angeles, and San Francisco, or anywhere you live in California. <laughs> All right, let's say it's time for a road trip. Where are you going? Ooh, a road trip. Well, you know, I like the desert. I mean, every day I'm out here, it's just, it's more than because I like the desert because you don't have to do anything. You just have to go and stand in the air mm-hmm. and, and, and it's just the best. You know, so I, I, like, I like road trips to the desert. If you could decree an official state culinary experience, what would it be? Ooh, uh, on the quest to find the perfect taco. <laughs> you and me both. Uh, yeah, baby. <laughs> What would you say is the best California song? I wish they all could be California girls. California <laughs> girls, Beach Boys. Uh-huh. Why that one? Because has Californian girls, my two favorite things. <laughs> okay. How would your California dream day unfold? First, I get up whenever I f- feel like it. <laughs> and that's, that's my biggest pleasure in life, to just sleep until I feel like getting up. Uh, getting up, having a cup of coffee, and looking across the desert at the mountains. That's thats a perfect day to me. Mm-hmm. And then how would you wrap it up? I would not have any more coffee because I got to get to sleep. Uh, I would uh, go outside in the warm desert day and smoke a big blunt. <laughs> well, Cheech, this has been really great. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now. My pleasure. And come to come to Riverside and see the museum. We'd love to have you. Absolutely. Cheech Marin is the entertainer and art collector behind the Cheech Marin Center for Chicano Art and Culture, located in Riverside, California. You can find out more at RiversideArtMuseum.org. This is California Now. Thank you for listening to California Now. If you enjoyed our California questionnaire with Cheech just now, you can find dozens of others on our website. We've surveyed big names, including comedians like W. Kamau Bell and Margaret Cho, top flight chefs like Jet Tila and William Bradley, and musicians like Blink-182's Tom DeLonge. It's all waiting for you at visitcalifornia.com. That's visitcalifornia.com. California.